Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. This is Chris Eddy and this is VLGA Connect and a special episode coming to you today where we look at a couple of the finalists for the Premier's Sustainability Awards for 2022. The awards are in their 20th year. It's a pretty significant milestone. There's a handful of councils up for awards uh, this time around and we're going to find out a bit more about a couple of those today. In just a little while, we'll talk about the City of Greater Geelong's Bin Litter Reduction Program. But right now, I'm joined by Scott Bryant from the city of Greater Bendigo, where their circular Greater Bendigo Economy project is up for an industry leader award in the circular economy innovation category. Scott, great to see you. Afternoon, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. So you're up for an award in the uh, the category on circular economy, and as your title implies, you're all about the circular economy. There, tell me why the city of Greater Bendigo's approach to this is award worthy in your view. Well, it's always a little rich trying to talk one's own and one's team's work up, Chris, but I'd say it's it's probably just putting the, the next iteration on what a lot of councils, businesses and organisations are trying to do in terms of you know, back in the 90s, we took that step from waste to recycling. And now it's the next next iteration from treating materials when you're, when you're done with them and trying to make find a new home for them to it's a lot of value, a lot of resources, uh, a lot of resource crunch that we know now with globalisation and challenges there. So how do we make the best use of those materials that we've gone to the great effort to, to dig up out of the ground and, and manufacture? So it's just you know, effectively that next, next iteration. I was looking at the materials on your website. There's some great resources there. There's a, there's a very handy little explainer video that just touches on what you, you talked about there, about how we as humans tend to replace stuff and don't really think about the longer term implications of that. Is that a conversation that you've been having with your community as part of this project? Absolutely, Chris. So it's probably a mix of both from a residential perspective as just everyday people as part of society, as well as with our businesses. So there's a bit of a mix of you know, choice. You know, I guess we've gone from reduce, reuse, recycle to, a, to nine hours, if you will, from refuse through to thinking what you're doing, redesigning and all that jazz. So there's, a, I guess, how do we, how do we help our residents uh, make smarter choices and, and avoid producing that waste in the first place, but also equally, if not more important, how do we, how do we support businesses in our regions to, to make that transition so we're not producing you know, products and materials that have to end up in a landfill in the first place. So I, I notice on the Premier's Sustainability Awards site, it describes your program, uh, your project as an Australian leading example of what a council can do in terms of helping its region transition to the circular economy. What about your approach is cutting edge and innovative? So Chris, it's we're looking fairly holistically as, a, as what a council does in its region and, and how it's how it interacts with resource recovery, waste, and I guess supporting businesses who are using those materials. So for us, it's it's leading in terms of we're not just dealing with waste and what people typically consider rates, roads, and rubbish as, as core business for councils. So it's looking at we operate a lot of the resource recovery infrastructure. So how can we, as a, as a council who are managing waste on behalf of residents, 
actually utilize that material rather than just send it somewhere and dispose of it. So how do we actually create more value for the region and also reduce, reduce the inevitable emissions that, that come from that? So how do, we, how do we work smarter on the infrastructure side? The city itself is also a big organization, 800 plus full-time equivalent staff. So how do we as an organization tread more lightly as um, delivering our projects and services each year? So how do we redesign and procure more intelligently with uh, whilst delivering what community expects the council to be delivering? And similarly, how do we how do we use that presence that's perhaps not quite so um, profit pressured? each year to actually then support organizations and businesses that perhaps don't quite have the headspace to, to be pushing this in the first instance but are quite happy to adopt um, circular economy practices if, if they've got some support from organizations like us there's a fair bit in what you've just said there can i perhaps pick up the the middle point around procurement what does that look like in a in a best practice way for councils what sort of concrete things have you done to to change the dynamic there i guess uh Pardon the pun, but concrete is probably a good example in terms of how do we get, um, I guess, non-primary materials or what we call non-virgin materials. So stuff, materials that you've dug out of the ground and are, are finite. How do we how do we displace those materials with with recycled materials? Um, so from a from a city procurement perspective, it's almost twofold. We've got how do we make sure when we're our engineers and our delivery teams are designing and planning for these projects, how do we consider the need for materials that you might not necessarily be able to get off the shelf at, at your local supply store or, or they're starting to starting to become available but not available everywhere. And how do we then ask that of our, our suppliers and partners in the community? So long story short, Chris, we've effectively developed a circular economy and zero waste policy, which is just a fancy way of saying trying to make our uh, procurement process more sustainable, which uh, is putting into our standard templates that go out to suppliers Look, when you're when you're bidding on work and you're looking to deliver this work or services for the city, what are your what are your circular solutions that you might have? So for a road, that could be what? How do you how do you displace bitumen that's from fossil fossil fuel based origin, petroleum, and you know, in terms of displacing that with recycled asphalt product or um, recycled plastics product and similar things through to if you're delivering a construction piece of work for us, how are you at the downstream end of things, how are you mitigating the production of, of that waste in the first place? So how are we making sure we're not producing waste ourselves from our project, or at least trying to minimise it and make sure it's going to a, a good home in terms of it has somewhere to be recycled at the end of the process. So let's try to just draw on the expertise of the organisations within the region that are delivering that work for us, but trying to give them a bit of a steer for how, how can you operate within these guidelines to, to help us achieve the goals we're trying to for the community. There's so much to it, isn't there? And I'm just thinking from my own experiences within councils, councils traditionally can be very siloed and you, you need all of those elements to be working towards the same Absolutely. goals. How have you approached that challenge within the city of Greater Bendigo? Uh, just like you said, Chris, I guess it, for us, it's been communicating, communicating and communicating across our different units and directorates. So the, I think the, the advantage with the circular economy, which some might consider are, it, the next iteration or the next next buzzword of sustainability. Others are thinking of it as the next iteration of resource recovery and waste. But the I guess the benefit of it, it is such a broad church that it makes having conversations across different units very easy to contextualise for them. So from a procurement perspective, it's, well, how do we procure 
and design for, procure, for procurement much more intelligently and considering the stuff that we're buying through to if you're working with engineers, well, that's, that's all about materials and products, even through to you know, a tourism industry and, and uh, support that staff that are I guess, operating our facilities in terms of they also interact with materials and products every day. So I guess it's always been pushing on an open door. It's just then the challenge of contextualizing that based on what they're interacting with in terms of yeah. materials and products day to day. Uh, I understand a, a number of other councils have looked to you to see what you're doing and to get some some insights, I guess, for their own circular economy journey. What is it about your approach that other councils are taking notice of and looking for advice on? I'd say it's probably a mix of our, our infrastructure work, which is, I guess, pivoting from you know, delivering waste services and sort of day-to-day -day, you know, collection of bins to how do we actually make use of the thousands of tons a year of materials that we're handling what can we do to I guess find better homes for that and stimulate um, economic opportunities in the region and similarly the fact that coming from a this more traditionally waste perspective rather than an economic development perspective uh, moving into that procurement space if it's very much been about the, the design and how to how do you embed that in practices so there's a lot of great work being done across quite a few local governments in in Victoria especially uh, um, especially so on the economic development side and supporting businesses. And I guess we've come at it a little bit left field, at least where circular economy uh, comes into play in Australia today. Mm. So Scott, how do you personally uh, find yourself as a, you know, living and breathing the circular economy? What's brought you to, to this particular career role at this point in time? Oh, it's uh, been a bit of a slippery slope into the circular economy, Chris, but I guess I, I came from a, a mechanical engineering and sustainable engineering background. Through, through energy infrastructure and, and before, before my time in Bendigo, which uh, is exactly bang on one pandemic now yeah. uh, in Bendigo. I was, I was in uh, Scotland in, in, in the UK and so was working, I guess, across the divide of big energy industry and a big material footprint and doing work on the circular economy uh, in Scotland. So that's sort of my slippery slope from energy engineering and sustainable engineering into, I guess, more of a circular economy focus today. That's really interesting. I wasn't expecting the Scotland angle. How, how do we stack up in your experience with what's happening in other parts of the world like Scotland? I would say we're, we've got a bit of catching up to do. I mean, I think that's a bit of a, an old, old trope uh, that a lot of people in the sustainability field in Australia sort of find themselves wheeling out. I think we've got massive potential just in terms of the, the resources and expertise that we do have in Australia. It's probably just a matter now of really, I guess, lighting a fire under us and, and getting that momentum going because I think it's been a sort of a, a decade of treading water in some spaces with, with some great wins, but we haven't quite been able to, I guess, couple together and, and really un unleash that potential. So I think it'd be a short order to, to make that make that jump and, and catch up with how, I guess, mm. slightly more progressive countries are, are going elsewhere on the circular economy. And that raises the point about how you measure your progress and your success. When do you ever get to a point with uh, with an issue like this where you feel like you've achieved what you set out to do, or do you ever get to that point? Oh, I think that's a, that's the million dollar question, Chris. But in terms of I guess measurements, so I guess the the two key ones these days are typically what's the what's the amount of raw goods you're using versus recycled so that's typically called the circularity measurement so uh, it was initially done in the Netherlands but the world is about just under eight and a half percent circular if you will in terms of how much new versus how much recycled materials go into our products 
but also from a, a, a Bendigo perspective for measurement, we're, we're never going to reach perfect circularity, at least not uh, anytime soon, but really also looking at the, the greenhouse gas emissions perspective in terms of the, I guess, what we call the embodied carbon of products and, and materials. That represents about 45% of all emissions. If you think the other 55% is transportation, electricity generation, heat generation, that side of things. The other 45% is what goes into making those products and, and goods. So for us, it's then looking at how do we, how do we reduce the impact of those materials? So less new, manufactured closer to home, those sort of things. So I guess we're, we're taking a lens of how much recycled content we're getting in there and also what's the, what are the emissions from the production of the goods we're using? Can we get that down? That's been really enlightening and insightful, Scott. I thank you for sharing us uh, sharing that with us, and I uh, congratulate you on being one of the four industry leader finalists in the Circular Economy Innovation category for the Premier's Sustainability Awards. Fingers crossed that you uh, managed to take that award home, and all the best to you. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks for having me. And joining me now to look at another of the finalists for the Premier's Sustainability Awards is Claire Matthews, who's the Team Leader of Community Engagement in the Sustainable Waste Services team at the City of Greater Geelong. Claire, welcome to VLGA Connect. Hi, thanks for having me. Lovely to, to meet you and uh, to have you tell us a bit about this intensive bin inspection program, which I understand has been going for some time, but really ramped up in the last couple of years and has gotten to a point where obviously someone felt it was worthy of some recognition and here you are as a finalist at the Sustainability Awards. Just give us a bit of a sense of what the program's all about. What's it, what is it doing? Sure. So most councils, waste teams do bin audits of some sort. So that's when you go out and you look in people's recycling bins normally just to see what the levels of contamination are. And then generally there's some kind of communication with the resident to, you know, let them know if they're putting the wrong thing in their bin. Um, the City of Greater Geelong were one of the first councils to do this with cameras in the trucks, which caused a bit of a kerfuffle when we first did it because people were worried we were spying on them when really we, you know, it's, it's actually really, we're just looking for contamination in the bin and we're not really keeping track of, you know, personal details or anything like that. Um, so we started doing it back in 2015. Um, but in 2020 to 21, there was an opportunity to apply for special funding from the Victorian government to expand the program. So instead of just having one team that maybe went out couple times a year, we had five teams that hit all of Greater Geelong uh, over a period of about eight months. Right. Um, and it was really good because it enabled us to touch base with virtually every household uh, in the Greater Geelong area and really drive down contamination um, during the pandemic, which was very challenging. I was going to make that, that point that that timing would coincide with really the onset of the pandemic. So, you know, was that a help or a hindrance to uh, people's acceptance, I guess, of the program that you were rolling out? Well, there's a couple really interesting, I guess, contextual backgrounds. One of them was in 2020, we're fresh out of the 2019 recycling crisis, which is when a lot of Victoria's recycling was going to landfill. And it, yeah. it was really heartbreaking for the waste team, I think, because after years of kind of trying to drill the message into people to do the right thing with their recycling, suddenly it's all going to landfill. And, and I think Planet Arc did surveys that showed um, around that time, only about less than half of people even believed that their curbside recycling was being recycled. And that was after recycling started back up again. So it was really low community trust. Um, and that's partly why we wanted to do this intensive program to really just remind people that they're 
there's a reason why that, that they need to put the right thing in their bin and it's still going somewhere good. You made the point, and I was thinking of it as you're starting to describe this, of that, that, that mistrust too of, you know, council spying with cameras, etc. A number of councils have sort of come a bit unstuck on that because perhaps they didn't get the community engagement right in the first place. How have you managed that along the way and what's the level of community understanding and acceptance like now? Well, I think I, I don't think I can say that we managed it well when you started doing it in 2015 because we instantly ended up on the front of the paper with, you know, like a picture of a man in the bin with binoculars. Yes. So yes, <laughs> not great. Yes. Yeah. So I think... Um, the thing that won people over was actually seeing our team out in the street. So uh, Dave O'Meara and Peter Price are our full-time bin inspectors, and they're really great. They love their role. They do such a great job. And a big part of that is not so much inspecting the bins, but actually talking to people, you know. And for many people, I think the reason why this program is so important, Dave and Pete are the only point of contact that people will have with council. You know, unless something goes wrong, they don't talk to us and they may not be reading about us in the newspaper, but they see someone come along, you know, in a truck looking at their bins. Often they get really good conversations with residents who need help with repairing a bin or have, an, you know, another question for council that they can direct them to. And I think it was really those months of just being out there, being seen, being a point of contact, being friendly, that won people over. And, and we don't get any fuss now. In fact, residents were quite happy to see them. Um, yeah. Just like the garbage truck drivers, uh, little boys or little girls will be like looking for them to come to wave at them from the window. Um, it's really an important part of our community education, which is why it's been moved into the, the engagement team. Isn't it always the way when you put a face to something, people can associate with the people that are doing it and they realise they're just, you know, people doing their job. Uh, they're not robots. It's not Big Brother, etc. I wonder about this, what makes it worthy of, of recognition? Is it the sheer scale, the number of bins that have been looked at, or is it the outcomes that have come from this? And part two of that is, is how do you measure that? I think it is the scale. Like I said, uh, the city of Greater Geelong is already one of the biggest municipalities in Australia. Um, and during that period, we managed to you know, touch base with every household in the municipality. So it was close to 300,000 bins that were inspected. Um, we have sheets of the common contaminants and they're marked down and households were visited anywhere between four and eight times. And we could compare how the contamination was tracking at each of those times. It was also the interventions that we tested. So we did stickering, which is very common. It's common for councils to leave kind of a sticker or a tag on the bin to say, this is what was in there that was wrong. But then through talking to people, we had other interventions like, it sounds really simple, but talking to elderly residents in particular, we had a lot of problems with people putting full plastic bags of recycling in their recycle bin, which just goes straight to the landfill at sorting stations because mm. you don't want, you don't have time to open up a bag and search through it for recyclables. Um, and when Dave and Pete asked residents why they were doing it, they just said, I don't have any way to carry my recycling to the bin. To the, so yeah. rather than, I suppose, judging them on how simple it would be to do the right thing, they said, well, we'll just give you a bag. And we started giving out these yellow recycling bags, which also had what you could bring to the bin printed on them. So it was yeah. testing those different interventions um, and doing it on quite a large scale that I think is what probably set um, our program apart. But if you speak to other councils, a lot of them are doing similar programs now. So I suppose it's not as rare now as it was when we first started doing it, but it's really 
great to see it being tested in other municipalities that we can learn from. That's really good to know. That was going to be one of my questions, but if, if anything, it's the leadership that's been demonstrated here and being the first to go down some of these paths that is is worthy of recognition. Where does this go to next, do you think? Do you have sort of plans for um, a further phase of this, given that you know the, the whole waste and recycling space is undergoing some pretty significant change, isn't it? Yes, definitely. And we have really ambitious targets at the City of Greenwich along in terms of diversion from landfill. Um, we've got a 75% diversion from landfill target um, and council recently put in a 100% diversion from landfill target by 2030. So we've got big aims to work towards. So this is a really important part of that. I need to give full credit to Darby Monroe who designed the program and started it. But in terms of the future direction of it, we are talking to Behaviour Works at Monash University about ways to improve the data that we have. And we've also, we're also looking into hiring an additional team so that we can expand and do more of our garden waste as well. So the city of Greenwich Long is one of the few municipalities that are lucky enough to be able to process our garden waste locally and it's controlled by the council, which means we get a really, really high quality of product. But um, that's fully determined by, you know, what people are actually putting in their bins at the other side. So we're, we're really excited about being able to expand that to garden waste as well. You make a good point because some councils are challenged by the lack of a, of a market or being able to actually process the material that they collect, which feeds into that community um, lack of buy-in, I guess, if they feel their efforts are being wasted. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's totally, it just comes back to that community trust. trust. People are not going to bother to do the right thing if they don't think it's it's bearing any fruit. So we've just started in the last couple of months getting to the point where we can actually sell our compost. So landscaping companies, it's good enough that they want to buy it and on sell it to customers. So residents can go to a local gardening shop and actually buy compost that's made from what they put into their bins. Um, and if they don't think that it's good enough, we're also using it at the Botanic Garden. So it's a real circular economy um, working well but we're completely reliant on residents doing the right thing. So it, all of the parts of the puzzle have to work together. Excellent. And there's that circular economy theme from our first guest on the program today, Scott, at, uh, at Greater Bendigo. So, Claire, uh, thank you for telling us that. And they, good to hear that sort of circular economy thing coming back in again, as we heard with our earlier guest, Scott, from Greater Bendigo. So um, good luck. You're an industry finalist, industry leader finalist, I should say, in the waste and litter reduction category with this project. Geelong has another finalist in another category, which we'll talk about briefly in just a moment. Um, all the best to you for that. And thank you for coming on the program. Thank you very much. So there we've seen uh, two of the projects that are up for awards under the Premier's Sustainability Awards this week. The other greater Geelong finalist is in the industry leader category for the Thriving Environment section. Uh, the City of Darabin is up for an award as well at the awards this year. And Ganawara Shire Council is also a finalist in the Healthy and Fair Society category. You can find out more about all of that on the sustainability.vic.gov.au website. I hope you've enjoyed going a little bit deeper into some of those innovative projects that are happening in the local government sector in Victoria. Proud to bring it to you today on VLGA Connect. Mm -hmm.